This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from a unique spot, the 49ers facility. We are sitting in Kyle Shanahan's office with the head coach of the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing good, Tim. How are you doing? I'm good. Just listened to your opening presser with John Lynch. Uh, uh, dropped some news that, that Brock Purdy is cleared. You're not going to practice him every day. He won't practice the first day because he threw today. But I, I, you talked about it. But I just wonder, I'm sure you had optimism. I'm sure there were times you had pessimism about whether Brock was going to be able to make it all the way back in time for the first practice. When you know that, when you know he he's pretty well cleared, is there, like, relief? Was there an exhale? What's your response when you say, okay, yes, this guy is fully cleared? Um, I was excited. I there was never a time I, I didn't think he would be cleared. So, so there was never – I never went into it just talking to other quarterbacks who have been through this stuff thinking, all right, he's not going to be able to play this year. Now, we did have to postpone the surgery. Um, I forget how long because of some swelling and stuff and just that his doctor thought it would be safer to wait. And so that's what made me think, all right, maybe middle of OTAs, I mean maybe middle of training camp, uh, will it be enough time to show that he's ready to start week one? And we also had Trey coming off the injury. And that's why the most stressful time probably was free agency because that's when the unknown was. The timeline wouldn't come back because it was too early. That's what was so awesome, being able to sign someone like Sam Darnold um, and then being able to get Brandon Allen um, right before OTA started was unbelievable. Now, Brock did hit all his stuff. It did go how it does for most of these guys, and he is ready. So, yeah, I have a few more thoughts that I wasn't expecting to have to go to for a couple more weeks. I you know, I planned on having about five to eight practices very similar to OTAs. Um, so to come in um, after vacation and be told that Brock's good to go, I was like, all right, I got to think of how we're going to wrap this right away. Um, so that's all that coaches know how to go over, but it's kind of a really good surprise because uh, he's going to get all of camp. Um, we'll ease him up into it. And being able to go on the throwing program that he is, taking some days off, it still gives Trey and Sam um, some of those one reps that I believe that they need um, to give themselves a chance to differentiate themselves through all this based off of what Brock did last year. Go back to the way Brock showed up last season. You know, I didn't know about him. I don't know that you knew a ton about him. What was it that you saw? When was it that you knew that there was something special? Was it from the meetings to the... To the practice, taking and stuff from the meetings? What, no, what, what it, was, was it was the practice field because he didn't say much. Mm-hmm. Um, he just sat there like a rookie usually does and just soaked it in. And we were coaching up Trey real hard, Nate. We were trying to get Brock caught up after rookie camp. But we noticed it with every rep he got. And it, it was two reps for the first couple practices. Yeah. And what you noticed was he didn't mess around. Like 
it was so decisive on what he did. He didn't go in there and try to overly impress us with the first rep, like, hey, I'm going to get the big play. Yeah, I didn't see him throwing he, the ball. He yeah. just, whatever play was called, whatever the two reps were, he did that, and he was like a machine. And by the end of OTAs, we're like, man, this young guy is a machine. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to keep him on practice squad because he's probably going to do good in the season. Um, but that's kind of where we had at OTAs. We had a feeling Nate Sudfeld being in the league seven years and what we thought of his ability was going to be our two, and we thought Trey was going to be our one, and we were going to have a good practice squad quarterback. Well, when we got into training camp and we started going from two reps to like six for him, he was doing the same thing with those six reps. And within a few weeks, he needed to compete with Nate for that two spot. And once that started happening and he was doing the same thing in practice, now it's like, damn, we got to play him in the games more. And once he played in the games and it was so similar, just the good and the bad to what we saw in practice, it was like, all right, we got to give this, this guy's got to beat this guy out because we're not going to be able to keep him. We don't think it's a three. And then, so everything had to be debated on whether we could keep three guys or not. Should we have the last pick in the draft rookie quarterback be our backup to another basically rookie quarterback Nate is the guy who's been seven years but Nate also has only started one game so they're all kind of in the same boat and as this was happening Jimmy's market was gone Mm -hmm. and that's when it got so exciting wait we got to keep Brock because he's played too good in the preseason if Trey does get hurt we don't know enough about Brock to go take over this great team that we have Um, and Jimmy's out there um, because his market isn't there right now and that's when we got Jimmy back in as the backup, who we knew Jimmy, how good he's been. Like We knew that we were going to go with Trey, and if anything happened to Trey, hey, we got a guy right there who we know is capable of taking us to the Super Bowl. So it was a great deal, and we could keep Brock there and never throw him into the fire because we weren't sure if he was ready for it, despite how consistent he's done. And I just remember all through um, training camp, you know, Jed comes down a lot, asks how the quarterbacks are doing, and... I would talk about all of them, and I'd always go to, and this party guy is just doing great. And I remember Brock got in for the first time versus Kansas City and some mop-up time at the way in and threw a pick on the last deal. And I remember Jed going, I thought you said he was really good. <laughs> I was like, Jed, that was the last drive. I don't, yeah, that wasn't a good play. And then I think it was the next week Jimmy got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, I remember Jed always saying, all right, We've been saying how good this guy is, so now we're going to find out. I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just, that was in practice. Like, we got to be patient. And he came in and was the exact same in the games as he was in practice. And I think that's kind of what's been easy for us as coaches is that even though it wasn't a lot, it was always consistent. And then when the games happened, it was always always seen out here. And that's why I don't think you guys ever heard the players waiver because mm-hmm. um, they saw it in practice. And then what they saw in the games, they're like, oh, hell yeah, we all knew this. But you got to see it out there, and it kept it out every week, and that's why he never lost a game. It feels like like once he started playing, it was the Seahawks game up there. That's something like you maybe knew it, but you you at that that point it just kind of clicked in your head. This is I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's like you were saying, this is the guy. This is our quarterback, without a doubt. I mean, just at that time that mm-hmm. year, especially with Trey being out for mm-hmm. the year and Jimmy being up and um, up in the air for when he could come back. But that's when I knew he had a dude because how good he had played, I think, the two weeks prior. But that game, I mean, he had broken ribs from a Sunday. That game was Thursday. I remember when he took his shot in pregame warm-ups, like he couldn't throw um, because it was still hurting in that area. And so he's going into the locker room, and I'm sitting in there going over the openers, and I still don't know whether he can throw or not because they're waiting for that to kick in. So I'm about to go with Josh Johnson, who's been here for, I think, a week. Or, no, like two days, um, who also people thought he had been with us, but he really hadn't. He had been with us for three weeks um, at the end of 
the COVID year, yep. but never done anything with us. Um, and then Brock's like, no, I think I could do it. And watching him in that game, knowing how hurt he was and watching how he just managed it on Thursday night football and some of the plays he made to move the chains on third and one at the end scrambling, I knew we had a dude who was made up the right way that can handle the pressure and stuff. And, man, we'd seen what he does just as a player in practice and the games, but it was more the makeup. And then just hang with him from then on out, um, it was proven. He got stronger with it. Is it hard to you know invest so much you know the, 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 all the picks you made for Trey Trey or all the investment you had in Jimmy to say okay you know what let's put that aside and we're going to go with the guy we took with the last pick in the draft or, or is that easy for you? I mean so many coaches and I know general managers get stuck on we've invested all this we have to prove ourselves right we're going to admit that we we're wrong essentially if we go with the seventh round pick how easy is that for you to do? Do you find yourself having that argument with your with yourself? Yeah, you do. I mean, it's human nature. And, I mean, we invested a lot in Jimmy, and we feel like we made a real good investment. Um, what was hard with Jimmy is he had some unfortunate injuries that he couldn't have avoided. But the investment in Jimmy, I mean, when you look at his record and how he played for us, I, I think we had the most successful quarterback here since Steve Young by far when you look at some of that stuff. And that's a pretty impressive um, thing to say, I think. When you look into what you give up for a guy, we knew with some of Jimmy's injuries where our roster was, then we had to make a big investment in our team in terms of who we wanted to pay. And when we looked into that stuff, we felt to pay some of these guys on here, we had to go with the rookie quarterback. So that was a more an investment in the team. Now we got to take a risk like all rookie quarterbacks are and what are we going to do and we made a risk to move up there because we made a decision we were getting one and we couldn't wait to 12 because i believe if we would have gone waited till 12 i don't think either of them would have been there I, I know mac went at 15 but i strongly you don't think we think somebody would have moved up and got him out of you yeah like yeah new england patriots uh there's three other teams okay um so yeah very strongly um but we knew that was a risk with wherever it ended up. We ended up going with Trey because of what we believed he could do for our team and um, the upside of him and the person that we fell in love with too. And when we did that, yeah, that's a risk. But we made the risk on our team and our team was good. We just had to give him some time. And he got that time going into his second year and then he got hurt. Well, you look back to that training camp, you just heard what I said. I really loved how our seventh round draft pick was playing. That didn't mean I was going to give him the reps Trey was. Mm -hmm. Trey, I saw more in college. We all did. We, we believed this upside was huge, and we were going to give him every, every chance to find that, and we were trying to get Brock ready to make a team. Then Trey gets hurt. Jimmy comes back. Jimmy gets hurt. And now you're going with a guy that you think has a chance in this league, but not that you obviously you didn't draft him to do this spot. You just believe he has a chance. And then he comes in, and now you go off with what you see. Now it's just very simple football. And what he did week in and week out, each week, by the end, it wasn't a tough decision because he had all the film there. It would be really tough if they did that in practice all the time and there was no game tape. And you're going to make this decision without watching him go into a real NFL game? Like, no, I'm probably going to go with the guy that we invested in more that we think has had the higher upside before we got both, and I'm going to do that. And I still don't know what the right answer is because I can't see it all. What I can see is what... Brock did in his games last year and people give him a lot of credit they gave our team a lot of credit but I know how good he played and I think anybody who really sits and watches it whether it's our teammates whether our coaches I mean it was strong in the season but it got stronger in the offseason is because what he put on tape was was real and that's what makes it easy the situation we're in now Trey and Sam 
they have the ability to do that stuff. It is harder for them to do it in practice and to jump a guy who we've seen do it in seven games like that. That that's the harder situation. That's a sad situation I'm happy about though. Now maybe he has a setback. Maybe he's rusty and stuff, and because of his injury and stuff, I don't know. I don't think he will be. I think he'll get back to that point. And then these other guys can play too. Maybe he does get an injury. Just and Sam or Trey get an opportunity, just like Brock did last year. All of this can happen to each one of them. I know the way that we all would have drawn it up because how we spent our draft picks, and that's the way it was going to go. Injuries happen, and when injuries happen, you don't really lose your job because of injury, but you give opportunities to someone else. And this guy who got his opportunity came in and did stuff on film for me, for John, for all our players. That was as good as we've seen here. And it's going to be real hard to beat out. It looked like your play calling changed a little. Did you just feel like you could do more? Because I'm not trying to put anybody else down, but that Purdy just seemed to click with what you wanted to do. Yeah, I, I I try to call plays to win the game. And that's how I think I've adjusted over... I was, I was able, I'm very fortunate I was able to call plays for nine years before becoming a head coach. And now going into my seventh year as a head coach, this will be my 16th year, and especially before being a head coach, I just call plays to try to score points because that's what you just think offensively. And trying to score points doesn't always equal you getting points. Sometimes you lose the game just trying to do stuff. And so you just you try to play to win the game. And I decide that based off of our line, our receivers, our quarterback, our defense, everything. And I get used to that. When Brock got in there, there were certain things that I felt more comfortable with that I'd start to go to. Not stuff like that I really talk about, or, but I do think things that fans or yourself do start to notice, I do think that was real. It's always going to be a little real when you change quarterbacks and stuff, whether it's for the better or for the worse. But I never just run my playbook because mm-hmm. I, I don't think there is one <laughs> you've said that <laughs> I, I really you, you call the plays <laughs> yeah like we just but the fake right fake left throw down field. i had not seen you do that before. we've done that okay yeah, I've, we've I've, done that but we hadn't done thursday night football yeah. when people and those are the things that are funny because those look cool but those are just those aren't the cool plays mm-hmm. in my opinion those are just gimmick ones that like maybe they mess up on but the cool plays are when tying things together and having a system where guys can kind of play effortlessly in a type of rhythm where they're all just feeling in the flow and going and not having to do anything outside of the ordinary because it's just, just like in basketball when shit's smooth. You do, it just works out, and that's what you try to make it your, your playbook, which is more of a system and how you tie five guys together and how you make sure at the end you also make sure what you're doing there wins the game and doesn't put the defense in a bad spot. Let me ask you one more question. Corey Rush, one more question <laughs> about la- the end of last season. You know, they they passed the three-quarterback rule after that game. I'm sure that was a huge part of it. You're playing the second half without a quarterback because two get hurt. If you had a three-quarterback rule for that, how different would you, would you have played it? How how many things would have changed? There would have been none because there would only have been two quarterbacks up, even with the rule. Really? That's my problem with the rule. They will only do that if that quarterback's on your 53-man roster. So no one's going to make – no one's going to put a third quarterback on their roster – to avoid a situation that happened one time in 40 years, mm-hmm. just percentage-wise. And we put three in our roster last year because we had three quarterbacks. And we thought our third guy, who was Brock, we thought he was too good to put on practice squad because uh, someone would steal him. So we had to keep three, which meant we had to cut another player that could have helped us a lot more than, that, than Brock mm-hmm. at the time. People are always going to keep that third quarterback on um, practice squad if no one's going to steal him 
so they can have their 53 that they actually use. Now, if we have three quarterbacks that are good enough to make the team, History, right? like we do, mm-hmm. I think we have four, mm-hmm. it's awesome because now we can dress all three. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm pumped about. But last year, by the time we got to that championship game, our third quarterback was a practice squad guy that had been on our team for like five days, and he couldn't. we cut him before that game so we could get another guy up on the 53. We were going to bring him back. So it doesn't really change that situation. Sure. I think half the teams like three they have three guys, and so they keep them. And if you do, you'll have a guy up. But no one's going to be like, remember what happened to the Niners? we got to have three up. Somebody might. Somebody they might. might yeah. And it, you'd think I would. Yeah. Because it's still going to be hard for, well, I've been coaching over 20 years or whatever, and it's happened to me once. Bobby Turner's been coaching 215 years. It's <laughs> happened to him just that once. Like, I, I don't know anyone's been in that situation. So it is a little harder for guys to have a practice squad guy make their 53 just to avoid that situation. Now, what I do think going forward with spotters, with the head stuff, mm-hmm. with how people get like Teddy Bridgewater got taken out on the first play of the game a week after Tua got hurt because he hit his head um, just by a spotter because they're being cautious and they had one guy play that rest of the game. So they're very lucky that that didn't happen to them. I do think it's not going to be one time in 40 years going forward. I do think it's going to happen more and more because of the spotters and things that we got to do the right thing about. So I do think eventually everyone will have a third quarterback or, or we might hopefully have 54 people on the roster, which would be the best way. Sorry, my, my mistake. One more question. What are You were very emotional after that game. We could tell. I mean, it was heartbreaking the way it happened. What are you thinking in the second half? I mean, I know you got to call the run plays, but what's going through it? I have this great team i lost it, two quarterbacks it doesn't hit me i remember and i almost got choked up on the headsets because there was like two minutes left it's like 30 to 7 or mm-hmm. something and it was the first time i got on the headset and i go guys i don't think we got i don't think we can do this mm-hmm. and it was the first time i admitted it and mm-hmm. i almost couldn't finish the mm-hmm. sentence and i was just crushed when reality speaking we knew that almost when brock went out mm-hmm. but definitely right when josh went out and Josh, we didn't know Josh was banged up. He was banged up before he went out. Mm-hmm. So it was tough just because emotionally, we, I, was, I still thought we were going to win the game, and which is somewhat comical when you look back on it. But that's how you feel as a coach and a player when you're in the heat of battle. And the whole thing I'm just thinking is, man, I hope Brock's not as bad as they're saying. And what's going to be our plan B? We're going to have to go get Phillip Rivers, someone like that, for the Super Bowl because – that's what I'm thinking because I didn't think Jimmy was going to be ready. And all I'm thinking is, man, I hope Brock's not as bad as they're saying. And I hope someone like Phillip Rivers is working out and ready to go here in two weeks because that's still our plan. And when I accepted reality, it um, took me a while to get over. That was more than, than other losses, at least from what we saw. What, it, was it harder? It was a little harder because and I, I don't like to talk about it because I don't want it to come off anything taken away from the Eagles. That team was really good. And both of us were. And that was going to be a battle. And they could have won it and we could have won it. So I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing we would have won. But we, we sure as hell believed we were going to. And we were excited for that game. And we felt really good about our game plan, coaches and players. We felt really good about the matchup. And it was going to be a hell of a game. And to not be able to play that, to not be able to, to just lose it, that way was a different thing to stomach and I think that's what was just kind of new to us all that I didn't know it'd feel like this man I had heartbreaker the year before that was crushing but I thought we blew that 
Mm-hmm. I thought we didn't convert a second and one and a third and one. I thought we had our op with that pick, and I didn't think we had, had that whole shot. Those four plays in a row, and I think we're going to the Super Bowl to play the Bengals. Um, but we didn't make those four plays, and I knew that, and that sucks, but that's football. You know, that's sports. The other thing, just because I'd never seen it happen, was something I wasn't ready to accept yet, but you have to. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's switch to, to some things about this team. Steve Wilkes, you bring in as different quarter. How, how hard or easy was that search for you? Did, how many names did you have and why was it Wilkes? It wasn't too hard because, I, I mean, I had other – there was other coordinators that I really, really liked. Um, guys like Vic, guys like Ejiro, guys who I'd gone against who were very successful and stuff. But I just loved what we had built here and done here. So it was very important to me to build something that was similar to – that was based out of a four-down mm-hmm. front that had the similar mindset as that. And some of the other guys I was interested in were com- – it was a completely different switchover. And so that's why C was my first choice from the beginning because I knew that's what he ran. Now, it was still different styles and stuff. I mean, he didn't play a nine technique like we do. He does some different coverages. Not as much as three deep was a little more matched than just true zone drops. There was different things, and we didn't know each other. So I had to get him out here. We had to hang around each other. And the coolest thing was being able to keep my whole staff on defense, have him get with them, making them part of the interview, have him talk to them, and just not really what does he know. We knew he was – we know how good he is. It was just two days together to see if – hey, can you go in as a D coordinator, kind of learn what these guys have been doing the last couple of years, kind of depend on some of these guys like Chris Sarek and Johnny Holland and um, Bullock because and, um, they have all the experience and then be the coordinator and kind of make it your own and fine-tune it. And I feel like that was exactly what my dad had to do in 92 when he came here, took over for Holmgren. He came here by himself. He was the first – he was the only new offensive coach and he was a coordinator and he had to depend on a lot of people. But I thought – that 92 year and when it was all said and done they were 14 and 2 I think Steve won the MVP they had a great offense and it gives you a chance to make it better you joked I think when D'Amico came up like you you're going to see if he's going to gamble because you were joking like Salah's got the first dollar he's ever had because he doesn't gamble blitzing that sort of thing I know I think he blitzed a little bit more with D'Amico and Wilkes has blitzed a lot do do you you want him to blitz do you expect him to blitz more yeah pressure you can't let offenses get comfortable so it uh, like you, you got to win the game. <laughs> and so, like, the hardest way for an offense to get people open is versus seven people in coverage when those four people can get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But if that's not always the case, you do have to mix it up. And D'Amico did a lot of five-man rushes, which is a blitz. He just didn't send the linebackers as much. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a lot more in creating one-on-ones for both and stuff like that. And that's why the more guys you have in one-on-ones, the better. I do think we have backers who can blitz, though. And I think that's kind of what Steve has talked about. I, mean, I remember going against them and how much Thomas Davis would blitz. So it was just crazy. I mean, every time, I don't even know if it was a blitz. If he was a man coverage and we flinched, he was in the backfield. Um, so there are some different styles to that. And I like to mix that stuff in. And I know I like his aggressiveness with it. We just got to see how it ties to our players and if it takes away from anything. Jake Moody, uh, kicker in the third round. We'll have to go through that all that. But is a... 
is a comp third round pick really a third round pick? <laughs> it's I, like, it's not a like fourth what, round this pick. That's what people say about <laughs> CJ too. It's like, all right, <laughs> he's a pick. He's a pick. Right. Um, at any point, uh, you know, minicamp. I saw you know you're stopping drill and having kick, and then going back to the drill and then stopping again. Look pretty good to me. I mean, what are you testing with that? What did you see from him just in just in those moments? Um, I've gotten so spoiled having Robbie for the six years we've been here. So that was actually something our Brian Schneider, special teams coach, suggested. I usually do in the middle practice at mm-hmm. the end. With it being a rookie, we didn't want him to be prepared as much, and we just wanted to mix him in the middle. Sometimes it's a little irritating for me because California, what's it called, land is pretty mm-hmm. expensive. <laughs> so our fields aren't that big, <laughs> and we don't have field goals out there. Yep. And so in, in order for me to stop it in the middle of practice, someone has to wheel yep. a field goal out. So that sometimes is irritating mm-hmm. me just to stop it, but I thought it was good just to keep him off because he's got so much talent. And that, that's what's apparent. I mean, I don't, I'll don't. i be the first to say I haven't spent my whole life studying kickers. I've been around them, so you know how it looks, you know how it feels, you know how it sounds. Being around this guy, when you hear the ball hit is different, the way it comes off his foot is different, you can tell why we drafted him as the first kicker. He's got to be the most talented guy. And now it's all the mental stuff and all that that goes into it, which to me is like same thing as going into free throws and everything. So we got to figure that out. He's been great at it his whole career, like starting at Michigan. And I hear Harbaugh messes with kickers mm-hmm. like as good as anyone in the world. Um, so I think he's had that a lot and been battle tested. I've never really worked on that myself because I never fully thought that that matters. But I know he got it in college and did good. So we'll see how we handle him here. You've never been shy about sending the field goal team out there, you know, third, fourth and two, whatever, with Robbie because you knew he was going to make it. Right. Could you see being – Going, sending guy, having go kick a fifty-five yarder. Is that how's that how's that calculation in your head? That's what I'm excited about. I mean, Robbie, I was so excited about because every time we're inside the thirty-five, for the first time in my life, mm-hmm. every time I sent the kicking team out, I thought it would be good. Mm-hmm. I never felt that way before. Robbie earned that, and it was awesome to have that. Robbie's weakness, just as he got older, is that there wasn't an option outside of that. Mm-hmm. So anytime you'd get in that forty-two to thirty-five yard area, it was, man, we got to go for it or punt. Mm-hmm. And that's what that always was. So like, if we got a 35, I felt automatic. Now, it's, I think it's cool to have more options to kick a longer field goal. Um, we'll see how that plans out. If his percentages aren't, aren't as good inside, we could go for it. That stuff plays in less. That plays into me more how our offense is doing and how our defense is. I mean, how's the other quarterback on the other team? And that's more the stuff I think about is how to win that game, not – the analytics over time. <laughs> you uh, definitely don't exactly go by analytics, which again, uh-huh. analytics are just numbers and all those things. Definitely saw you at a couple Warriors playoff games, and you made a point to get to that game seven in Sacramento. I've talked to you a little bit about it, but what 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 makes you want to go see those games, and what do you get from them? Um, I enjoy going to sports, and I don't get to go to sports much. Basketball has always been my favorite sport outside of football, and I think we're watching the most entertaining basketball team. I'd like to say ever, at least that I've ever been around. I mean, you watch those Bulls teams and stuff mm-hmm. growing up and stuff. They're still not like watching. That was fun to go watch Michael post up and do his fadeaways and stuff, but or kick it out to Kerr every once in a while, <laughs> shoot a three. But these guys are so fun to watch, and so I've always enjoyed that since I've gotten here. Uh, I love taking my kids when I can. Mm-hmm. They love it. Um, if I get offered a courtside seat, which this is my first time this year doing that, my kids definitely don't get a go. And that was as cool as thing because I've got I've had gotten good seats there like fifth row and stuff. Being on the court side was different. And yeah, that in was, San Francisco, yes, because you were also 
pretty much courtside in Sacramento too. And courtside, yeah. we were second row. Yeah, okay, yeah, that yeah. was the next game, yeah. and that was so cool um, to go there. Uh, me, John, and I went. Harris Barton flew down with us, and um, it was my son. And it was so random because Kyrie Irving <laughs> sat in front of us, which was which was crazy. But I remember Clay Clay Thompson before the game started. I met Clay the year before with my son Carter mm-hmm. up in that restaurant at the stadium, the steakhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Miller and Lux. Yeah, and we were having a lot of fun. It was a late-night game, and I kept calling him Jackie Moon for some reason because, <laughs> like I don't know, I just yeah. his style reminds me uh, of He Jack- loves that. Yeah, just his swag is like that a little bit to me. It was just funny, and Carter was so embarrassed, my son. And we were sitting on the court for the Kings game, the second row, and I'm like, look at Clay over there, and they're on the opposite corner. And he's like, I'm like, Dad, I was like, Clay's the man. We should say hi to him. And he's like, Dad. He thought you were so silly. You embarrassed me so bad calling him Jackie Moon. I go, no, he thought it was cool. And then they did the national anthem. And after that, we're watching Clay, and he goes running across the whole court. I'm like, what's Clay doing? Runs all the way up. I go, he's coming over here. And he comes right up to me and Carter and looks at us and um, gave Bully, he goes, you guys ready? And he pounded Carter and me, and then he left, and Carter's jaw was open. I was like, I told you he liked Jackie Moon. I told you. He's like, he did. It was, it was awesome. He loves Jackie Moon. That's, that's so not cool. Even, that's not like, even a question. That's a pretty good staff game, by the way. It was, oh, it, it was, yeah. I texted I you afterwards, and you did not respond, by the I way. I didn't? Yes. Yeah, so it was because we were having too much fun. But <laughs> I felt bad because Clay, Clay was a little cold that game, and I felt like he's never going to pound yeah, us again. That's probably true. I know, but I feel bad. It might have been us. I'm going to blame it on Carter. He just pound me next time. Bob Myers, who you know a little bit and John knows re- really well, uh, leaves as general manager, you know, discussion going on. Does that make you check with John? Because, well, you know, John's talked about how, like, he could have taken a TV job and was ready to do it. And, and you and Jed kind of thought he was going to. Do you have to, like, at some point, John, are you, are you still here? Do you, you know, how, what's your commitment? Do you have to have that conversation? A little. I mean, it's never been that formal because John and I are, are – just we're friends, we're close, we kind of know where each other at in our lives. Um, I was nervous then because John never, John was always saying, ah, Kyle, that's not something I want to do. I love it here. I want to finish this. And then when he would leave, I'd go, yeah, but I heard how much they're going to mm-hmm. pay you, dude. And, you know, like, so that's why I was always nervous because that's something, no matter how you feel, sometimes, you know, with that life-changing money for a family and stuff, like I would have understood. I would have been disappointed, but... I would have totally understood mm-hmm. and then he didn't do that and ever since then like i mean john this is what he signed up for and now what if we had won two or three yeah. titles like bob did i i think that could be a little bit different mm-hmm. i don't know but he's not there now I mean, he doesn't talk about any of the media stuff coming forward he is so pumped at our team the way we were turning a kind of a new era last year to go right into trey we thought we had a good team. We had built it to here. Now we got a guy and a rookie quarterback we're going to keep, and we still have that. And then we kind of hit a, a wall a little bit when we lost him and then Jimmy and then have the same rookie, another rookie quarterback kind of do what we were hoping to do with Trey. We're in a good position, and I think we are for a few years. And John loves what he does. John started out extremely good at it, and he only gets better and better every year. Um, and there's really no one I would want to work with, and I feel very fortunate to have him here. Okay, I'm turning to like, Kyle. I mean, we don't ask you this question, but I'm going to ask you, like, do you ever think about, hey, I could walk away at some point? Or I have always felt that you're, you're just a lifer. I could be wrong. Where, where are you on that progression? Could you, could you see five years down the road, you, you leaving for a TV job? I don't know about for a TV job or anything. I, and I don't know about five years. I, 
I don't see myself coaching in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I, I know what it does to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, I, was gonna say, I know I, what it did to your dad, too. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like you get to a certain age, you can just get through it, because he always seemed better at it. But I don't know. I want my organs to feel all right <laughs> in my 60s. And I don't know, sometimes you tighten up for seven months, and mm-hmm. it doesn't always feel quite the same. But I'll tell you what, no matter how much I'm like, God, I need a break, you, you take three weeks off, and yeah. all of a sudden it's like, starts to be what all you can think about Mm -hmm. and so like all that stuff sounds good maybe one day you get fired and you have to take a year off and then then you learn oh no i don't want to do this Mm -hmm. i i gotta go work i that's what i want to do but at my age i'm 43 and i hope we can accomplish a lot here in the next 17 years (laughs) yeah you got some (laughs) time you give yourself some time um so we'll see but still young. Do you? I don't look like it always. It, it, it's a losing proposition. I know that when I'm saying this, but do you start saying, when am I going to get that Super Bowl? I mean, when am I going to get that Super Bowl? Like, it, your dad didn't get it real fast, right, yeah. as a head coach. Do you use that as context? Andy Reid was what, 59, 60? I, I don't really. I, I know how hard it is to win one just watching. I, I remember going to all the Super Bowls as a kid when my dad was a coordinator and them getting blown out every year when they were at the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even think it was possible to win a Super Bowl <laughs> like as a kid because I just thought if you're in the AFC, you get blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, then I remember in 94 being here and winning it and then going back to Denver and they were in the Super Bowl three years later and I just was so excited they got there because I thought the AFC always got killed because mm-hmm. they had 13 years in a row. And then they won it and it came down to the last second. Um, it was tight. It was they won on a last second drive by Terrell Davis um, and ran it in. And then Favre had to go down to try to tie it up. And um, John Mobley dropped a pick six, but it was fourth down, and so it was enough to win the game. And how close that is! Like things happen. And what's I think hard with us is I believe we had it for us versus Kansas City. I think we should have had one there. Mm. Um, I think. We were very capable of doing what we needed to in those last six minutes, and we just didn't. And, man, after that, I wish it was a seven-game series, but it's not. And you get that close, and that's tough. And um, I think we had a chance to go and beat Cincinnati if we couldn't finish the Rams. So you sit there, and you know how close you could have been to as our group having two, and that's tough because I've been in my life long enough to know how hard it is to get there. Um, And then I thought we were going to get there next year again, and then the way that last game went. So... Yeah, it's hard. Yes, that's my goal um, in life. It has been for a long time. and But I'm also not setting my whole life on whether that's going to make me happy or not. Um, I know my personality, so I better be mentally strong with that. I do plan on being a part of a team that wins one. Um, I plan on trying to be in a situation where I have a chance to win one every year. And I strongly believe if we keep doing things the way that we that we that we do it, it is a matter of time. Um, but yeah, I wish we already had some. Um, but that's also sports. And you got to live with yourself in sports. And there's a lot of ups and downs. And I think that's what I have gotten better with um, in my 20 years, um, where I don't know if I could have handled that stuff earlier in my career. Uh, I used to always say, if you would have told me that we lost the Super Bowl and blew a lead or something, I probably was like, well, what, did I die the next day? Mm-hmm. Like, did my life keep going on? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I would have saw it when I was younger. And, God damn, it feels like you are the next day, and usually for a couple months. But it's been weird because you feel stronger the next season. Um, you got to go through some soul searching and stuff, but you get there again, and you realize, all right, man, I'm better now. Sucks you don't have the hardware to show that, mm-hmm. but you know you're better, and you know your team's better for it, and 
you just keep going back at it and with the place where are we are the type of owner we have and the direction we're going i i think good things happen to people to do things the right way and we've been doing that and hopefully it's a matter of time we got a couple of minutes there's a question i forgot i don't want to take you too long that's fine. you were at duke with dunleavy that fascinates me i've told him that yeah did you know him well at all at that not, point not well we came in the same year mm-hmm. i remember we were both sons of head coaches so they did like a little school article on us um so we got to talk then and get to know each other and oh, you were together for this interview yeah for oh, this interview yeah, so yeah. we hung out and yeah. got to know each other that one day and so if i ever saw him at a party or something he'd be or him vice versa he'd be the fir- first guys we go mm-hmm. talk to um but i didn't hang at duke very long okay. i went there for basketball i mean sorry i went there for football <laughs> he, meant, yeah. he went there for basketball yeah. um so he had a much better college experience there than i did and i had a year there and Got out, went to Texas, which was a little better football decision. So the idea of you would do, I've told you this, is just crazy to me that you just don't seem like a Duke guy. Yeah, was it just weird for you to be at Duke? It was. I had one goal up to that time. That was just to get a scholarship. That's all I cared about. And then that was my scholarship offer. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people in my school, um, students and stuff that didn't play sports with me, couldn't believe I was going to Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just said, if they studied like I did, maybe they could have. <laughs> and they were mad at me for it. But it's, I went there for football, and then the football people were like, why are you going there? And I'm like, well, that's my scholarship offer, and that's my only goal. And once I got there, you know, it wasn't right for me. And I wanted a big football school. I, it's all my high school had 4,000 kids. Mm-hmm. And Duke, I felt, it had 6,000, but I always say like only 400 were social. Um, <laughs> And there was more people in the basketball deal for a, a practice than in our stadium yeah. for our game. And once I got to Texas, that's kind of what I thought college was. And then I was mm-hmm. over the scholarship. I was like, I just want to go somewhere that's right for me. And so I was able to walk on there and fortunately earned one a couple of years later, but um, never looked back once I did that. Dunleavy was a huge deal. Was he, did he act like that? As no, he was so cool. Yeah. So down to earth. No, he was awesome, and it was really cool to see him. I saw him last year at the game and get to meet him, and it's awesome that we have him here. I mean, I feel fortunate that we do. Bob was the man, so yeah. it's going to be a tough dude to replace, but it's been cool that he got here before that, so he kind of could be around those guys and see how they did it, and I feel like we're in pretty good hands. A couple dukies in, in the Bay Area. Let's go, I mean, go figure. I don't call myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I pulled down the ice. I just still can't. I know this now for a year. I still can't picture Kyle Shanahan at Duke. They so. couldn't either. They, they were ready to get me out of there. <laughs> All right. Well, you, by the way, I'm going to ask you you're about your favorite book because the last recommendation, I read Empire of the Summer. Did you like it? Great. It's awesome. Right? I hate to, I don't want to underestimate. I like, I can't believe Kyle, right? This is a fantastic oh, I did on audio. Yeah. Well, yeah. still, it's like, Poet. I mean, there's some oh, real right. I didn't know how cool Comanche Indians were. Yep. And like interesting. So it was fascinating. Hell of a recommend. I did not think Kyle Shanahan would have the recommend book recommendation that would blow me away, but you did. I got, I got it. The, I got the recommendation from Joe Rogan. Okay. I heard really? him okay. Talking about oh, good. It. So good. Then I just tried it. So. You got. What's your favorite book now? Then you. Or what's your second favorite? What, what else can you recommend? I haven't got a book really since then because I mainly motivational stuff mm-hmm. audio things that i've spent more audio things that i buy and then don't like them <laughs> like so um, how long do you listen to it before you know you don't like it like 30 minutes mm-hmm. 20 it's usually a plane or a car ride but this year the coolest thing that i watched and i got so into was vikings okay have you ever seen vikings i know i have not seen it i had heard. I'd heard about it and i had no I, I didn't think i would be into it and i got into it my wife made fun of me so much because she didn't like it 
And then one day she got stuck by me and watched two shows, and she became more hooked mm-hmm. than me. But I highly recommend that. The Vikings are so cool. You don't know how much is real about it because they didn't write much down yep. and everything. But, like, the first couple episodes start off with them, like, figuring out how to use a compass. Mm-hmm. And once they do, these dudes just get in these ships and go west till they run into things. But in their mindset is so... It's pretty brutal and violent yeah, you, and bad. I, yeah, you like violent stuff, but, right? Well, yeah. It's when you understand how they are. They, they, they have a religion of Valhalla. Mm-hmm. And the only way to go to their heaven, which is Valhalla, is if you die fighting. So all they try to do is go to new places and fight and kill and steal. and Which ends up, they all seem horrible. Mm-hmm. But when you watch them, you get really into the characters. And wait till you see Ragnar. His wife, Lagertha, is one of the coolest characters ever. <laughs> so get into it. You'll enjoy it. But there's six seasons. Not yeah, I was going to say there's a bunch of seasons. I say it falls off after the fourth. So um, are we talking like how after a couple hard practices you might flip on Vikings or is this off-season sort of stuff? No, this is off-season. Yeah. I, so I do this. We have a brain training program that you can hook things up and so you can watch movies while it does this stuff. And you got to breathe and a certain mm-hmm. type of thing. So I picked that always for my off-season brain training i pick a different thing and i got in i did one season here um because after like do like 30 minutes a day of brain training in the off-season and then once i was done with that i just got addicted and watched the next five at home and made my family get into it and they did it was cool brain training while watching vikings you can watch anything yeah it's just you can watch anything so cognitive play calling is this for your play calling you're doing this stuff or is it for everything to quiet the noise to kind of just balance things out You've talked about that before, like you like live in the moment kind of stuff. Is that still like things that you're concentrating on? Oh, I think you just always got to protect yourself from yourself. And I can get pretty AD and get a lot of thoughts going at once. And it's not always the most healthy thing. Sometimes you got to be able to slow that down and lock it in. And whether people find that through meditating, whether they find it through exercise, like I think everybody tries to find that stuff. And brain training sounds weird we, we just have some things here that that i like that help me with that and then on our 40 days away it's more just hanging with the family surfing i, I finally gotten decent enough at mm-hmm. that so it's um it's been a good summer and but i am so ready to go it's been too long and you need it but by this time it's like just mentally and physically we are ready for what's ahead of us and that's to grind and not look back and to deal with whatever comes in front of us until february we got this in, Kyle. It came close. I was worried. We, we always do, get it. An, annual Kyle Shanahan sit down. Always <laughs> it's more, uh, more just getting you down, and it's fantastic as always to talk to you. Thank you so much. You too, Tim. All right, thank you. It's the show right. for today.